from the fabulous and famous Fitzpatrick's Castle Hotel in Dublin, Ireland. You're listening to the award-winning What's the Story podcast. Now, here's your hosts, Danny Murray and Graham Merrow Merrigan. Hello and welcome along to chapter 68 of the award-winning What's the Story podcast. Little old WTS pod hitting the big 6-8. 6-8, man. My name is Danny Murray and alongside me is a man who wears a hat better than anybody I have ever seen in my life, including Santa Claus. <laughs> and that's part of his uniform. The wonderful Graham Merrow American. How are you? Excellent. It's like a tea cosy, isn't it? It is. It's beautiful. Yeah, my cousin bought me this for my 30th and I, I always... I can't wait for the, the second, winter the yeah. winter season to kick in i just wear it all the time the second the cold weather comes along yeah we're yeah. going to when i go around watching all the leinster senior league matches on a sunday yeah they'll be heavily wrapped because there's a matching scarf as well beautiful yeah beautiful because you need it because it does be baldic oh god yeah jesus i tell you now that that, that cold would cut you in two graham cut you in two where are we we're in the beautiful, warm, cosy, not cold at all surroundings of Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel in the metropolis of Killiney. Metropolis is a great word. It's a fantastic word, much like this venue. There's a music festival called Metropolis in the RDS. Is there? Yeah, it goes on in the winter. No one else like, on the RDS? What? The One Zero Con. Oh, yeah. This Friday. In addition to that is John Cavanagh. Yeah, exactly. Since we spoke to Rob Hartnett, organiser of that event, John Cavan has been added to the lineup. A couple other people have too. I think the prices have gone down as well. I, I don't know, but yeah, you can check it out. I think there is only a limited number of tickets left because of that, actually. Um, but yeah, look, check out our chapter there from a couple of weeks back. One uh, zero count with Rob Hartnett. And also check out the conference. Friday, 21st of October. Uh, Shane Lowry, Lance Armstrong, Sir Clive Woodward, uh, Coach Cavan. In- interesting uh, stuff on the airwaves since the fallout of all that yeah that's we, right yeah. Um, off the ball had Lawrence Armstrong for 30 minutes brilliant two interview weeks ago. Brilliant. brilliant interview if um, if ever you get tired of me and Graham's uh, world class journalism award winning journalism investigative yeah, yeah you should check out um, actual real proper journalism Jared <laughs> <laughs> Gilroy, Gilroy. Uh, or Garrett or Gareth Gilroy as Lance is calling them interviewing Lance Armstrong it's a fantastic piece of media work balls of steel he had he did, I'll tell you what man but back to this beautiful place that we are coming from I tell you what man I tell you the winter months I think the old, uh, the Cliney Hill mountain line has gone into hibernation because I haven't seen them in quite a while no I haven't seen it so the hills are free to roam when did the clocks go back 30th of October I hate when the clocks go back yeah, yeah 30th of October so remember that lads you can set your clock to it hey. um, yeah look Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel. Check them out. Uh, FitzpatrickCastle.com. Yeah, that's it. Man. Look, if you Google it, don't worry about it. They're the only FitzpatrickHotels.com. Yeah, there you go. They, look, lads, we, we tell you every week. Yeah. And we know a lot of you have come up here because you tweet us and tell us. And uh, we've heard great stuff about the food. But we already knew that because myself and Graham treat ourselves to a five-course dinner. <laughs> it's only supposed to be three courses, but me and Graham get five. Every night before the pod. Unbelievable. Yes, 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 yes. What have we yes. got tonight? Graham, before we do anything, huge news. Go. Congratulations are in order, Graham. For? The one and the only Lindsay Danger Doyle, who used to be of this parish, but left us for new pastures, um, mostly to have a baby. And that baby has arrived. Eight pounds, 14 ounces. And a baby a or a solid turkey. muscle. Yeah. <laughs> 
Big baby. Small turkey, though. It's probably benching already a week probably old. Probably is, man. It's probably Less than a week old. doing prowlers. You know what I mean? Just doing everything. Whacking a tire out of a tire flips. <laughs> the works, man. So massive, massive, massive congratulations to Lindsay and Austin. I was hoping that I was hoping she'd have it my, on my birthday last Sunday. Yeah, that would have been hilarious because just would have been hilarious. So I would have just kept rubbing it in their faces. Also, mm. a friend of mine, uh, Fiddle yeah. and Sophie, I've had their second child, little Hannah, little girl. Jesus, it's like so, a little baby boom in the burrow. Absolutely. So tell you what, Mark Ellie, Brock is, is due soon as well. Oh yeah. Well, when I say Mark Brock, I mean Karen. Karen. <laughs> <laughs> baby boom city. Tell you Congratulations baby. to all of them. Baby boom and the border lads, well done. Just don't block up my Facebook feed with pictures of your baby. I don't care. Um, <laughs> oh, we must also give a shout out to a Minnesota listener. Last week when I had man flu and it was very windy. I know, folks, miraculous recovery. Um, you mo- still sound a bit modern medicine. Flemmy. I'm not. No, I'm nowhere near as bad as I was. Though. No, you're. Are they yeah. new glasses? They are. Yeah. They thanks. look fucking great, man. Thanks for noticing, great. It's thanks. like a bit Claire Kentish or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know. I go into a phone box, I come out in spandex, and I get arrested. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah look we we mentioned uh, last week about people who listen uh, in foreign places and a few of them got in touch with us as we requested fair play to us uh, one of them we must give a shout out to Shane Murphy um, in Minnesota Shane oh, thanks man for listening man former Bally Bracker former Bally Bracker um, and I actually managed Shane in the mini league in the mini world cup mini world you? cup yeah back in the day he was, he was my star player unbelievable yeah. carry on can't remember the name of the team I think I don't know why I think it was Italy yeah, yeah, great stuff altogether. He's um, been over there for eight or yeah. nine years now. Shane was concerned he was the only person listening in Minnesota. <laughs> I can assure him, Shane, you're not the only person, but you're the most important one. Exactly. So there you go. To the <laughs> rest of it, to the rest of the people in Minnesota, we love you as well. Spread the word, Shane. But you know, Shane's a former Bally Bracker, and we're all about promoting the local. So, on the lads. Um, we're going to have a guest from Minnesota in just a couple of weeks. We are. Keep but, a hush, hush, But hush. we can't tell you more, lads. Oh, I can't wait for this. This is a, crazy. It's a big one. Can't wait to tell everyone about the communication and all. It's, oh, it's fantastic. Fantastic. Um, but anyway, look, that's enough for the shout-outs, Graham. It's time for a little something I like to call housekeeping. That wasn't bad. That was like it could have been in it's that a countdown. Film. It was a little bit, actually, a little bit jazzier than Countdown. Yeah. Have you seen the film Whiplash? I have. Great film. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I didn't like your man, though. I loved him. I thought he was amazing in it. Yeah. The baldy fella. I did, no, I did enjoy it, though. Yeah. I thought he was really, really good in it, actually. It, I had the same feeling after watching War Horse. Oh, I didn't like War Horse at all. I liked War Horse. I War think Horse. I liked War Horse. No, I, maybe I wasn't moaning watching it. Maybe that's what they're meant to be doing, but I felt like I was watching a play on the telly, which I think is awful. Yeah. That, that's that's a good description. Yeah, I didn't like it. Didn't like it at all. If you um, wanted to go to a play, you'd go to the Abbey. You wouldn't go exactly. Watch on your yeah, telly. I'd, I'd go. I'd consult a friend of the show, Angus Og McAnally, and uh, I'd say, Angus, what should I go and see? What, what's on at the moment? That's worth going to see. Mm. Other things on the telly and whatnot. We like to recommend documentaries. So uh, there's a couple. Last week you recommended the Amanda Knox one. Yeah, um, which a couple of people have got on to us about. But on the Netflix lads. Uh, the Amanda Knox one is on Netflix as well, but there's also one called City 40. I told you about this one, The Hidden Cities in Russia. Oh, yeah. This is I crazy. read up about it. I haven't it's watched crazy. it yet. I, I kinda, Fascinating. I kind of go down wormholes, as we've talked about on the podcast a lot, and a couple of weeks ago I went down a wormhole about these secret cities. and uh, America and Russia in particular have them. Other countries hole, have them too. Rabbit hole, yeah. I thought you said a wormhole. Wormhole, rabbit hole, tomato, tomato. Okay. Yeah. 
I hope they're the same thing. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I just but, uh, didn't want to get confused. Yeah, you're just being pedantic now, aren't you? Yeah, very. Um, but, yeah, so... Uh, City, Fascinating subject. City 40, it's called, and it's about basically Russia's atomic city. So, back in the day, America would have obviously developed the nuclear bomb and all that. Robert Oppenheimer and co. Wrecking the gaff. And, uh, but the city that it was all developed in was top secret, to the point where, boy, like, there's big, huge billboards in the city and all that that were like, if you wouldn't tell Stalin, don't tell anyone. That's how, like, obsessive they were about propaganda. So, obviously, when it, word got out that America was developing a nuke, Russia decided, we better get our skids on and... Uh, Get something going here. So they developed these secret cities. And uh, City 40 is the one that they were using to develop it. Is there it, 39 other ones? There's loads of other ones. That's mental. Lo- now, they, they all have names. It was just back in the day because they were like off them. Like if you looked at a map, this city wasn't on the map. Do you know what I mean? So it was literally just if you were driving along, it's you'd land. suddenly come to these big huge checkpoints and they'd be like, get out. I have Mad Max in my head or something. A little bit, yeah. But what's really weird about it is that... Uh, like, people still live there today, right? And this documentary claims that radiation levels from the plutonium or the, the, the nuclear crack that went on, radiation levels are five times higher in this city than they are in Chernobyl. That's mental. And people live there. And people live there. So why don't people live in Chernobyl? Because you can't, <laughs> Because, like, do you know what I mean? Like, well, Chernobyl was the plant. What was the name of the, the, the city that they lived in? Oh, that's going to wreck me head. Tweet us and let us know at WTS pod. It's going to annoy me. Chernobyl was the plant, but the city that they lived in had a different name. I thought the city was Chernobyl. Well, no, I can't remember. Oh, that's going to annoy me. Um, a listener got in touch with us, Brian Borges. Brian thanks me in, and he said uh, the documentary Wiener, which I presume is about uh, the politician Wiener in America, who was sexting a load of young ones and sending pictures of his crotch to a load of young no. ones. And he was married to one of Clinton's advisors, and now they've split up because more scandal came out about him, you know, Texting chung ones, all the girlos. Um, so I'm going to look that up. He, he only tweeted us today, and I haven't had a chance between him tweeting it to us and uh, us recording to actually watch it. But I, I hope that's what it's about, and he's not just taking a piss and my type it in, it's going to go to Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm going to give that a look. But yeah, City 40, lads, check it out. It's on the Netflix. It's well worth watching. It's mental. As are most Some great things. articles online as well about it. When you told me about yeah, it, I yeah. googled it and I was like, "What the hell?" I'm gonna Google. But they, but they feed them. I was read a piece of the article where they feed the locals caviar and all. They give them the yeah. best of everything see, in terms w- of compensation. Like. Yeah, see, that was the thing. Like a lot of people that lived there, kind of, they were willing to stay there because life there was a lot better than it was in, say, standard cities in the mm. Soviet Union. Because you know the whole communist model wasn't exactly a life of luxury for a lot of people. Mm. But if you were in one of these secret cities. You know, you couldn't really leave. Mm. And other people couldn't. Well, you could leave, but, like, you had to say you lived in such and such an apartment block in a neighbouring city. And that was, like, the code for, like, you know, no matter where <laughs> you came yeah. from. Like, you were like, oh, yeah, I live in, like, John Lennon Row on Chibberniskery something or other. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, As yeah. opposed to being like, oh, yeah, I live on 123 City 40. Like, yeah. mental stuff all together. So all of them had the same address. So when everybody went on holiday and they were like, oh, where are you from? They'd be like, John Lennon Row and Chibberniski. Like, it's crazy. Mental. But, uh, yeah, they were, um, they were all given, basically, like, a life of kind of higher standard than anyone else in the Soviet Union. Because they were Union. living in like, radiation. Yeah, so their city was like, a little bit fancier and they all got things that other people wouldn't get in other cities and all that all because the Russian officials kind of knew like you're all going to be dead by your 30 but is, I was <laughs> gonna, that's my like, next question what is the lifespan 
Uh, it depends. Like, so for people who work directly in the plant, like they, there's a point where they're in a graveyard and they're talking to like people whose relatives have passed away, and like you see people and they're like teens and in their twenties who have died and then there's obviously elderly people there as well but they start talking about the fact that like it used to be that the the streets were cleaned every single day they haven't been cleaned in five years so the dust of the radiation when people go from the nuclear plant and they get in the bus to come home them lads getting off the bus and all that like like there's parents saying like i tell my kids to avoid bus routes because i know they'll come in contact with people who are heavily radiated that's mental it's insane like it's absolutely insane but uh, yeah, really, 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 I would highly recommend checking it out. It's a great documentary. I finished um, John Connor's Travellers. I finished last week. There was three episodes on RTE. Yeah, it's on um, the player now, wasn't it? It's on the player now. It, it was very, very good, very informative. Um, fortunately, I don't think it'll have the desired effect. Um, just, I think, people's perceptions of the travelling community is just that, and people aren't for changing, I don't think. Yeah. But it was interesting. Um, a lot of what John spoke to us about in terms of Hohi's uh, solution, final solution for the travelling community um, they touched on that in, in heavy detail and it's just it's actually disgusting I mean, the final solution was basically him segregating travellers from the settled community and now sorry, it's sorry, that, sorry, just to interrupt, I'm just after googling uh, Pripyat was the city Chernobyl was also a city but Pripyat Pripyat was where most of the people live, P-R-I-P-Y-A-T, in uh, Kiev, in uh, Ukraine. So, sorry, just jumped in. Apologies. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, the, I think, I don't, yeah, as I was saying, I don't think, it's a great history document, uh, document documentary, yeah. um, but I'd, I'd, I'd like to think it would have a desired effect. Um, I think, but... Um, as, as sorry, yeah, I was saying about the highest final solution for yeah. the, the traveling community. I mean, if you're watching the documentary and you're listening to all this final solution stuff, it's yeah. perplexing. It's like baffling. Are really you is. serious? This it's is these are human beings. Like my concern about it, though, like everything else, you know what I mean. People will be slightly outraged, or people will talk about it at the time that this has been shown. But you know, six months from now, nobody will give a shit. Yeah. I know I, what unfortunately, I, mean. I think that will have it. Um, Any time I watch documentaries, though, I have the opposite effect. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's uh, boy, it's boy on the beach syndrome a lot of the time, isn't it? What's that? You know, remember last year that little kid? Uh, oh, Ali oh, sorry, Cor- boy on the beach. Yeah, Ali- <laughs> I thought you said boiled on the beach. No, boy on the beach when your man. Oh Al- yeah, of course. Al- Alian Cordy or Cordoy uh, washed up on that beach. I don't Syrian even think refugee. it's that. You know what I mean? People paid attention for about six minutes. Like John on his on his <coughs> Twitter handle was retweeting loads of compliments, you know, of yeah. the settled community, um, and it it was all positive. Yeah, but I'd, I'd like to think that it would have the desired effect when he set out to make it. But I think people, certainly in our community, have made up their mind on the traveling community. It um, would just from antisocial stuff. Yeah, it would seem that way. I mean, there's antisocial behavior everywhere. Well, this is true. You know, you get that no matter where you go. And yeah, look, it's a uh, great I'm documentary, gonna, though. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. I'm look. I'm I'm somebody who can be quite ignorant at the best of times. I admit that freely. I'm not a social justice warrior. I have, and I said it to John when when he was on the podcast. Life, I've I've had time being dismissive of the travellers because of preconceptions or whatever. Like, but I also know some lovely travellers. So. Yeah, look, don't hurt everyone with the same brush. T- travellers are just like the rest of us. You'll get some absolute dickheads, but you'll get some absolute lovely people too. Yeah. End of story, simple as that. Like, I think know. John is right, though, in terms of his um, 
where he says p- people have their perception because of the media. Yeah. Um, one of my mates was telling me he was having a discussion with his wife recently and she made a state statement along the lines of uh I don't I don't quote me word for word but it was kind of like uh, sure, don't they all do don't they all do that? Yeah. In terms yeah. of robbing anti social. And yeah. he said to her, But do you how do you know like? And she goes, because you read it in the papers. And then yeah. that's John's kind of argument. People are reading it in the papers. Well, I suppose, uh, I, I'm going to take a bit of a sideways shift here. But mm. in terms Don't of, catch me out now. No, no. In terms of reading stuff in the papers or in terms of kind of believing what the media say, is there a case that Donald Trump is on the receiving end of that at the moment? Fair point. Um, with the whole Trump-Hilton thing, we're getting close to the the election. Um and I can't help but feel, having watched House of Cards, that it's true to life. <laughs> yeah. It's completely true to life. The, the just sabotaging. Yeah. The scriptwriter for House of Cards must be just sitting back right now and being like, oh, this is gold. This is gold. Do you know what I mean? Uh, t- things coming out from Trump from the 90s and yeah. video clips of him being a rude, vile cretin. Yeah, he is an absolute cretin of a human being um, with the stuff that he came out with. Um, but it, 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 do you know what's baffling to me that the Republicans and a, a kind of hierarchy in the Republicans, the American yeah. Republican movement, yeah. Um, I know how, how you how you deliberately don't use Republicans because you're like I'm not tarring Jerry Adams with <laughs> exactly. the push of Donald Trump. Absolutely, <laughs> um, they they all backed him in terms of his contendership. Did you see? Uh, and now they're all tight. Every single one of the hierarchy has, has washed their hands. They're distancing like. themselves from Trump mm. now because of all these did lewd see, uh, allegations. Did you see Angelina Jolie? Is that you know uh, John fought John? I did Fott. I seen you? You with directed a, me to it. Yeah, with his tweets and all, like absolutely, like basically saying that uh, it's pretty male chauvinist, wasn't it? This is nothing that no man has ever said before, and we need to rally behind Donald and all this kind of stuff. Basically saying like, yeah, it's perfectly acceptable to talk about women in that way. Look, on this podcast, I have said I would have voted for Trump over Hillary. And I'm on the record of saying that. And given the choice a couple of weeks ago, yeah, I definitely would have because I just don't trust Hillary. I really, really do not trust the Clintons. Like, You trust Trump more than Hillary, though? Uh, no, I don't. But I would be curious to see what he'd do. Because, look, let's be honest, he's not going to be able to do all the things he says he's going to do. Like, he's not going to build a wall. He's not going to just go in and nuke a load of people. But the worrying like, thing is, people are voting him because of these Yeah, promises. of course they are, because they're idiots. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. Like, but my whole thing about the, the, the Trump situation is that his, his position is no longer tenable. It's not a hundred... Like, he's on video saying these things, and, like, you just... Look, no matter what, man, you can't... Like, look, does locker room talk? Yeah, absolutely, and... Boys will be boys and kind of, you know, if a good-looking girl walks by a load of lads in a pub, they might kind of give one another a nudge and a head nod towards that girl and all that. Mm. I'm not going to deny that sort of stuff goes on. But girls probably do something similar themselves. And I'm not trying in any way to... Trump's um, allegations are a bit worse I was going to say, but but that, that to me is kind of locker room carry-on. Not what Donald Trump was saying, no. where you can grab Rope. them by certain parts and you can do all these kind of... Like that's out and out, just wrong and no... And it's that kind of thing. When you hear stuff like that from what is a grown man in a position of power, and then to cast back to when we were talking about documentaries like The Hunting Ground, or we were oh, talking yeah. about the Stanford rape case, mm. and you're wondering how do people have the mindset of thinking that no consent is consent. It's crazy. And then you hear Donald Trump saying things like that, and you're like, well, no wonder there's an issue with this, and no wonder there's a rape culture. like Because yeah. 
this is just one, insane. Like one of the allegations was um, a fifteen-year-old walking in a lift, and yeah. he said, "I'll be dating you in ten years." Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Was there something about a ten-year-old or something that, like, he was like, if you were ten years old or something like that? It was, I, no, it was. I'll be dating you in ten years. Ten years that, yeah, it must be the same thing. Sorry, but um, it's like, to like, a, look, I, I still that's maintain incredibly creepy. It is it's awful. Really. That's Jimmy Savile stuff. Um, I still maintain that both candidates this year for the president it is horrendous and the fact that hillary like she's eked out ahead now and like it's become clear 11 points so what does that mean danny 11 percentage points oh is that that it yeah all right so so is that is that big or uh it's sizable enough yeah like anything double digits sizable enough you know what i mean victory you're talking it's certainly starting to look that way but the fact that this scandal has been out there for what we're talking the best part of two weeks now Mm. and that's how far Hillary has pulled ahead. That says to me that like people just do not want Hillary. And the problem is that the libertarian candidates, like your man Gary, what you call him, and, and other sort of green candidates or whatever, they're just so weak. And the, the media system in America is set up that there is only two true candidates that them guys aren't going to get a look in at all. Like, I can't remember your man's name. Gary something. He's the libertarian candidate. He's the guy who didn't know uh, what Aleppo was in Syria. My God. Like, he's, he's polling at about 8% at the moment, which for somebody who's not part of the big parties is actually a respectable score, like, because okay. he doesn't have the, the, the backing of the Republicans or the Democrats or whatever the case may be. But Hillary just has such a bad history in terms of she's got clear connections to banks, she's got clear connections to kind of financing that's a little bit on the dodgy side the email scandal is horrendous you've got WikiLeaks releasing emails the clinton foundation as well center the clinton foundation taking donations all over the place but the problem is the republicans the guys who are sticking with trump are all the mad bastards like look at alex jones like alex jones is is just a madman and he's he's trying to push trump still and, and and getting upset about hillary and there was a clip of him going around where he was basically crying on camera. Saying, saying, I didn't watch it, but you know when you're going through Facebook, yeah, you can see like, the, the, the footage, but you can't see the sound. Like, can't hear the sound. Trump, I didn't watch him. Yeah, Trump was always one scandal away from being completely out of race. Whereas Hillary, you feel, had three or four lives in there. One of them was lost with the whole, when she got sick and she collapsed and people started to question if she was fit for office and that kind of thing. Trump had one life and one life only and it's gone. Hillary still has a couple of times where she can dodge bullets, but the truth is, it doesn't matter now. The election is over. But do you, do you think it is? 100%. Hillary has it now. That's it. There's the, no the, coming back for Trump. The American presidential race, though, it's it's always, always dirty. Yeah. It's rotten. It, it the is. The whole lead-up is rotten to the core. It's just about one-ups and trying to exploit someone. And well, you see, it's very hard for anybody to kind of say why they should be the leader of anything without diminishing another person like it's very hard for anybody to say i should get this because i'm the best without sort of going that other person who wants this and highlighting a lot of bad stuff about them people struggle with that and the problem with 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 it is that that's the way pr works even look look at sort of scandals in the media and all that you very rarely see good news because nobody wants to see the good people want to know the bad because they want to know what they're avoiding as opposed to what they're getting Mm. You know what I mean? I'd usually, I'd usually <coughs> keep an, a, a good eye out on the uh, American presidential race, but our <laughs> American presidential race. Yeah. But this time around, they're two cabbages, and I just couldn't be arsed. Yeah, it, like I mean, they're they're not role models, are they? They're not. They're not at all. Like you look at the Republican Party in the past, and you want to talk role model, role models even. 
Lincoln, Republican. A lot of people seem to forget that Lincoln was a Republican. Mm. Teddy Roosevelt, Republican. You know what I mean? They're role models, mm. not Donald Trump, a reality TV star. That's what our role models are today, reality mm. TV stars. Joke. I'd, I'd be concerned about uh, 15, 14, to maybe 13 to 16-year-olds in this country. Um, their kind of role models are people from Geordie Shore. Yeah. And I, I don't know if they are, but I just look at their dress sense and think, what are you doing? You're 14, you're wearing skinny jeans and one of those, do you ever see those long t-shirts? The t-shirts that go down over that their arse and over their arse down yeah, to their knees? What yeah. the hell is that all about? Yeah, they're, they're ridiculous. Like, I, I tend to judge things by what I see on a night out, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, the the actions I see people on a night out and people, when I hear people using like expressions that they never would have used until shows like that came out, like saying, worldy, yeah, no, worldly, no, yeah. Nobody, nobody, north nobody or south. Nobody in should say worldly. Nobody north or south of the Liffey ever used the expression <laughs> worldly. You know what I mean? We're going to get tweets now. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> like, um, and then you, you hear the way people go on and all that, and you're like, Would you, you've picked that up off the telly, and oh, just stop. Like, who was your role model growing up? Or did they, like, who did you look to? I, I suppose mine were always like sports stars, like Roy Keane and Brian O'Driscoll mainly. Like, Do you think sports stars have an obligation to be a role model no no i don't think anybody has an obligation to be a role model but i think that if they are inherently good they will become a role model naturally yeah you know what i mean like like roy Keane, i don't think set out to be a role model yeah and certainly there's a lot of people out there who would be like roy Keane is the worst role model out there look what he done to alvin gahal and look how he used to talk to referees and how he used to react to referees and all that but if you said pick a footballer to lead you into war Oh, Roy Keane all pick the Roy way. Keane. If you said, pick a footballer that you would take to inspire somebody by their actions on the pitch. Roy Keane all the you'd way. you take Roy Keane. If you said to a kid, you know, pick a footballer who you think you would want on your team, you'd say Roy Keane. You know, now of course now they'd say Messi and Ronaldo. And, yeah. You know, if they want to have a drugs cheat on their team, they can have oh, Messi. Oh, he got it in. But what I'm saying is that Roy Keane never tested positive for drugs or... Oh, when he was an M. What I'm saying is that, like, Keane embellished to me what a proper centre midfielder is. Yeah. And I didn't play centre midfielder. I was a goalkeeper because I was fat and lazy. Do you know what I mean? And I love Peter Schmeichel, but... I was a goalkeeper as well, then. <laughs> Not because I was fat and lazy. Because I had a machine to block the net. I love it, yeah. It was actually hard to score on you, you little shit, you. That's because of um, Safe Hands American. Safe Hands American. We just saw that Safe Wheels American. <laughs> um, you used to be able to roll across the net a lot quicker than people could dive. Okay, That's what down. it was. Calm down. I'm just saying. All right. Little tick. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, but, um, I think we'll agree that and it, well, the, the role models of nowadays are not what they used to be. Yeah, like, I mean. Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian's not a role model. Would you stop it? Carlos Lover. I don't know why. Look, at the end of the day, lads, Kim Kardashian, the 98% of the reason Kim Kardashian is famous and on our TV screens right now is because she was in a sex tape that went viral. End of story. Yeah. Without that sex tape, would Kim Kardashian be where she is now? Much like without growth hormone, would Leo Messi be where he is now? <laughs> Probably not. Am I banging that drum a bit? <laughs> You're banging it, man. You're banging it. It's the new glasses. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is. Um... Tweet us and let us know, actually. Who are your role models? Or let us know on Facebook in the comments uh, under this podcast. Um, Facebook.com forward slash WTS pod or Twitter at WTS pod. Who were your role models? Who let us know, lads. You have been uh, invited to join Greg, 
Mulhall at Dunleary Bowls. I have. So, are you going to accept his invitation? I will be taking him up on that. I don't have time at the moment, but and I think Bowles in the off season. I could be wrong. Greg will no doubt correct me if I am wrong. If Bowles is in fact in the on season, but um, I definitely am going to be getting involved in Bowles. Love it. Probably for the 2017 season. <laughs> Love it. Up, um, Greg. Go on, Danny. If if anybody happens to know where I can go and play curling, <laughs> let me know as well because I really want to get into that shit too. Graham, it's time for the guest. Go on. Who is he? All right, he or who? <laughs> Who, what? Keeping the mystery going. I'm sitting in front of you. Yeah, exactly. We do this all the time. We like, <laughs> and she's just talking. Oh, yeah. do you? Do you like a reveal? Like, yeah, we put up a big blurb and all that saying who it is, and then I act as if people don't know. <laughs> it's like the dumbest thing ever. But, it's uh, coming in the door. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. Ooh, who is that? <laughs> uh, right, so, like, TV star, comedian, writer, like, social commentator, Kleinie's Golden Girlo. Stonehorn, Stonehorn extraordinaire, Joanne McNally. It's the most amazing introduction I've ever gotten. I mean, love it. Like, there's there's too many boxes to tick there, pal. What was my favourite one there? Stonehorn. Stonehorn, yeah. Yes. Stonehorn. Yeah. Someone came up to me at a gig recently. I don't know where she was from, but she she said I like you because you talk pot. You sound posh, but you talk like a knacker. <laughs> yeah, like, that's that's a good that's a compliment. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. I think yeah. I was like, thank you. Yeah. We were going to include session mop, but that's an insult, so we won't do that. That's not an insult. Oh, isn't that's it? That's a pastime, but those days are gone now. Oh, I definitely would have thought session mop was an insult because, you know. Well, do you know what a session mop actually is? I get the feeling you're going to tell me, so. Yeah. yeah. So, because I was looking this up, right? So, session moth is actually like, there's sessioners, obviously. Yeah. And then session moths are birds who have sex at sessions for drugs. Yeah. yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah. So, how is that not an insult? Oh, it is, yeah. No, oh. I, I thought you meant the other one. Well, oh, actually, no. going, well, of course I have sex for drugs at parties. What else like, would I be doing there? I was like, what goes on backstage at RPA? I already pay for my own drugs now. <laughs> Come on. There's a Twitter handle yeah. session, have you seen it? No. Oh, completely rips the piss. It's deadly. I must look it up. Yeah, it's gas. She's always going to the wrong sessions all them years. The bags of coke I used to have one in, right? <laughs> Can you imagine? But like, anyway, that's another conversation, but I was like... Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, go on. Anyway, yeah, look, thanks for coming out to us, first. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for having me. Um, it's great to see you. And uh, you made a long journey across the road in Cliney. I know, yeah. Well, my mum lives down, because I grew up down the road, but she sold a house recently. She's down in um, Dunleary now. Oh. Down at that other hotel we were talking about earlier. Oh, the enemy. Oh. The mm, enemy. The enemy. Yeah, we're not going to talk about them. So, but yeah, no, I grew up in this place. Great. Pretty much grew up in the castle, actually. Really? Well, I would have done like loads of classes up here, and my parents would have drank up here, and yeah, I worked here. Did, did you, you work here? Yeah. What did you do? Housekeeping. Love it. But I was like the housekeeping are usually kind of like if there in my day anyway, if there was like a tiered system in a hotel. Yeah. The like you know there's like the fancy sommeliers are up the top, and the housekeeping staff are kind of we were kind of looked down on a bit, I think, by other staff members, I think. But I was the lowest of the lowest of the low. I was only hired to clean toilets. I wasn't even allowed clean rooms. Wow. Yeah, I was only allowed clean toilets and fireplaces. How old are you? Sixteen. I had something similar only mine was in a school not a hotel and mm. like that I was like scrubbing jacks yeah. in schools which I can tell you now 16 year old lads don't know where they're aiming yeah well <laughs> like, neither do pissed wedding guests <laughs> fair point yeah yeah and Debs they used to do pre-Debs oh they did yeah remember pre-Debs yeah. what the fuck was a pre-Debs it's about? just an excuse isn't it's it it's ridiculous like normal schools didn't they my own posh schools we didn't, didn't know. no I, what was the name of the school I went to a pre-Debs for I can't remember some posh school and like is a pre-dad's a posh thing? Yeah, definitely. 100% it is. You wouldn't no, have. I was in Cabo. Cabo didn't. Cabo did pre-dabs. Cabo Protestant school. In, in my era. No, they're not Protestant school. I don't, no. 
Community skill. Community, nah, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> know what I mean? Like, that's, you wouldn't know. Free dabs, I forgot all about that. But yeah. you just rented a function room, wasn't it, and drank? Yeah. Yes, yeah. You didn't dress yeah. up around, like... You did, no, yeah, no, you're right, no, you, did, you did. It wasn't know. like gooners. Yeah. You did, like, brush your hair, but no, there wasn't, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't like ball gown stuff, no. Yeah, you wouldn't have went full tux, but you definitely would have, like, put on a gold shirt. How did we even book them? Like, how did fun- venues even... We were all, like, I mean, you're obviously... Rate like completely underage, hundred percent, hundred percent, yeah. Like, but it's like they stopped down eighteens around like the borough as well. It definitely would have probably. I'm probably not surprised. The case of kind of, you know, the sort of most grown up person obviously ringing the place and then sending the bloke with a beard that grew at lunchtime into yeah. the venue because he looks old. Yeah, be like, yeah, I swear it's twenty first. Pre dabs never heard. Turns it. up in the night and you're like, yeah, my dabs wasn't great. Uh, Where were you using skill? Lawrence's. Lawrence's. Oh. Yeah. I was in I went to Lawrence's. I sat my leaving in Lawrence's. No way. Yeah. Seventh year? No. Sixth year? You were yeah. just, you were one of them people that just came in to do to the actual, sit to leaving, yeah. yeah. Oh, right. So I was like, how do we fucking miss it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was in Dorky and then I was um I was actually kind of expelled from there. Oh. A bit a kind of expelled, not fully expelled. Is that a story you tell us? It was, weird, yeah. it was weird and messy. So my parents then sent me to the institute. Uh, and yeah. you can't sit your leaving in the institute, so yeah. I came back and saw it in Lawrence's. And the school went on fire. Oh, oh shit! What? And I, I, so it was my geography exam. Yeah. And the other way in geography, you've like you can either do you've, you study whatever waterfalls or rocks, and you take your yeah. chances. Most people who have any sense study both. Obviously, I didn't, and I was like, right, I'm going for waterfalls. So I knew half of the syllabus. And then I opened the paper, <laughs> and of course, it was the other half. And I was like, shit. And next thing, we were all evacuated. The fire lamp. That was 2002, Amazing. was it? It was a blessing. And then I went back and sat the next paper and I got an A. Beautiful. I know, because all the other stuff came up in it. But I remember standing outside. It was on RT News and all. It was, yeah. 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 Standing outside, uh, waiting for the fire, cr- whatever. And um, some like, uh, I said, who set the fire? And he said, oh, some pyromaniac junior cert student. And then he stopped and he goes, he's adopted. And I'm adopted. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I he don't was think you. Yeah, I know. It was the weird. It was like and saying like all adopted kids are meant like mental. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like we're yeah. all just come out with like fire, yeah, aerosol cans <laughs> and lighters just setting setting fire. Like to there's place. a massive void in them, and they just need a fire to like. Yeah, there's something light. like to fill the void <laughs> of abandonment. But did you say you knew him? Yeah, we know him. You can't. can't he's name not adopted. You can't name it. He's definitely not a hundred percent. Oh yeah, no, no, you can't name him. No, no. There's and there's it's a big family. Yeah, huge family. Well, he's the alleged perpetrator. Ah, uh, 100% upset. <laughs> but is 100%. he, a, like, has he gone on to develop his pyromaniac skills, or no, did he just stop there? No, he, he's a bit of a dickhead, but, mm. like, he's not a... Is he now, though? Well, he was a bit of a dickhead. I haven't seen him in about 10 years, but, like... You would have cleaned the skills back then. No, no, you're getting mixed up. No? We definitely are getting into territory where we're making him identifiable. Okay. Change. <laughs> <laughs> This won't be of any interest to anyone else yeah, outside exactly. of the yeah. borough, literally. I was working yeah, uh, in the school uh, supervising outside or making sure people weren't cheating or something. Really? Yeah, yeah you sat outside. Yeah, adjudicate. Yeah, something like that. I was in fifth year, yeah. I think. Do you not do fourth year? I did, yeah. Okay, don't know why I said that. Yeah. Fourth year is great. I love fourth year. Mm. Dumbed me down a bit, though. I We did That's the sound of music and I was Ralph the Telegram Boy in our... Musical and skill. So, so, wait, you were the telegram boy. I was Ralph, yeah. How did... What? Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> did that come I auditioned out? for Liesl, the daughter. Yeah. You know, the t- attractive role. The I am 16 going on 17 yeah. girl. Yeah. Yeah. And they went, well, we can ha- hardly have Liesl taller than her father, can we? She, I was given the role of Ralph, so I was 17 going on 18. 
So because you were a tall girl, you were a ben- pigeonholed into you're a bloke now. Yeah. Paint, painted up like were a man. Were you Asian? Huh? Were you Asian? Was I raging? Well, I was a tot- I was a tomboy. It made sense. Like, I was a tomboy. But I do remember f- not feeling completely attractive during that entire stage. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it was a very important role in the show. Oh, well, yeah, you know? definitely. I, I mean, ratted them all out. Yeah, um, yeah but that's because I think before um, sc- convent skills used to bring in lad skills to do the musicals with. Yeah. And then there was too much wearing going on, I think, or something. So they stopped <laughs> it. I think so, yeah. Love so it. essentially, Joanne McNally, Nazi Grass, that's what you, yeah. you basically uh, That's the yeah. intro. Yeah. <laughs> New intros. Yeah. Colony's Golden Girl was gone. Nazi Grass is in. <laughs> I can fill the gap of session moths. <laughs> <laughs> I'm less embarrassed about being a Nazi grass. <laughs> Most people would be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, comedy, you got started in a weird way. Mm. Like, because... Um, most people get in touch with Tony Ferns to go out to the hype and he did die in their arse about 400 times. Like this lad. And, um, did you do it? For a while and then I got very, very just pissed off. Okay. And... Disillusioned? Yeah, disillusioned, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, or I lost my smile, as somebody put it to me. I swear to God. I'm not going to name who it is in case you know them, but they were like, man, what's wrong with you up there? It's like you've lost your smile. And I was like... And why did you become disillusioned, out. though? Got very clicky. Very clicky. Yeah, it is clicky, isn't it? Yeah, and I was like, if I want to get a gig there, I can't do a gig here. And if I do a gig here, then I'm definitely not going to gig over there. And if I do a gig over there, then I'm pissed off both of these lads and I can't get a gig here. Oh, I don't think so. it's... I, well, I haven't experienced that now. Yeah, there was a lot of that going on. You're a superstar, though. And then, That's very true. Yeah, that is. Yeah. <laughs> sure, I was doing... Um, well, I'd only just started, but like when I started doing stand-up, I, I got the Republic gig after I started doing stand-up. But I went in... Oh, sorry, go on, you finish your story. I don't know what I was even saying. You lost your smile. <laughs> I lost my smile. You became yeah. depressed on stage. Yeah, I did. I basically, I was halfway through a joke and I went, what's the purpose of this? And I walked off. No, I just, it just got I the point. I thought that was true then. No, no. <laughs> I mean, what actually happened was I'd done a gig in Carlo to around about 150 people who didn't know it was a comedy gig. And I was meant to get paid X amount for it. And at the end of it then, the guy who was running came over to me. He's like, yeah, yeah, look, I know it was a big room and I know there's a lot of people here, but only about 12 of them paid so I can't pay you. And I was like, yeah okay mm. and kind of uh, like you know I well I don't know because you kind of went straight in at the top kind of thing so what, what so, happened so my experience would have been kind of different to that anyway yeah. just because I was working away I wasn't doing any performing or anything like that and then a friend of mine well she's a friend now she wasn't at the time I was terrified of her Una McEvitt her, her sister was my friend oh she produced Bite Me did she? she directed Bite Me directed, yeah, yeah. Um, so she was kind of going into th- she'd started working in theatre and she was directing and she ha- had this idea for the show called Singlehood which was a fantastic fantastic did you come see it I did I seen it at Vicar Street it was amazing oh you did Vicar Street show it was yeah. the crack that was it a was good amazing. show good yeah. fun like do you yeah. know what I mean I bought it as a gift for people and I didn't go sorry oh that's okay yeah you what? bought it as a gift, did you? No, yeah, gave it the to... The tickets or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gave it tickets. Um, yeah, it was one of those fun shows, like, it was just fun. Yeah. And so she was casting that anyway, and she was like, look, it's half real people, um, which was people who don't perform for a living, which was me, and then half uh, performers and comedians and all. I think there was like eight of us in the cast towards the end. So she's like, do you want to do it? I was in the electric picnic, I remember, and I said, yeah, straight away, because... I knew, I just knew I'd enjoy it. Mm. And then, like, I loved acting as a kid and all. But yeah. I would have loved to have done it full time. But 
we, my family, they just wouldn't have been in. Like, that's your ho- it's a hobby. You don't, you go to college and you get your degree. Yeah. You don't, like, mm. make Stop a living out of this. Yeah. yeah. So that was grand. So anyway, I did singlehood and I really enjoyed it. And then. So that was your first. You didn't do any stand up before singlehood? No. And oh, singlehood was, like, acting, really. Yeah. Well, it, it was, was kind of like, uh, I read it, someone review it, like, um, Eight stand-up comedians talking about singlehood. Yeah, yeah, it probably was a bit like that. I did. Yeah, it probably was a bit. PJ then joined the cast. One of the lads dropped out um, because he got engaged, and he, he was like the like the the dog. Do you know what I mean? He was yeah. like it was riding twenty birds at night, la, 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 la. and then he fell in love with this woman. I was like, I don't think it's appropriate that I'm standing on stage talking. Like I've never seen such a turnaround. It was unreal. Um, they're getting married now soon, actually. But uh, so anyway, Una and um, PJ had been to see the show and he liked it. He tweeted saying he liked it, and Una was like, "Do you want to replace?" the guy who dropped out, and he said, "Yeah." And I remember Una ringing me, and she was like, "PJ Gallagher's joining the cast," and I started bawling, crying. Really. Because I didn't know, I didn't know him, obviously. Yeah. And I'd never really watched Naked Camera, but I just thought he was real slapstick or something. I just, I obviously was getting notions about the sh- this show and like decided he wasn't appropriate for it. Me, like, <laughs> a complete blow-in, like. And um, bald crying and Una, Una, we kind of thought about it. And she was like, you know, Joanne, it's actually, it's not, it's not your decision to make. So... <laughs> <laughs> You're only here to wet day. Yeah, you absolute weirdo. <laughs> and um, I was like, yeah, well, it's going to affect the show. But, you know, you do what you need to do. <laughs> uh, so she, he did join. He joined the cast then. And um, so we started working together a bit. And then he said to me, you should do stand-up. Because he said, you're actually... I, I was like, get away. As if, you know what I mean? And he was like, you're actually already doing it. You just don't realise because you're standing up telling stories. That's some Mr. Miyagi shit. Isn't it? Yeah. I know. That's class. Yeah. That's wax amazing. on, wax off. Yeah. Turns out I've been doing stand-up for a year and I didn't even know. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was. I told this one gag. I, to, I told a joke about getting dumped by this bald lad. And um, he was like, yeah, you're just doing it, but you don't realise because there's other people sitting down behind you. Um, so he was saying, go down to the halfpenny and do yeah. a couple of minutes, break the back in it. And... I had no passion for it really and I wasn't I was like I just wasn't interested in doing that you never thought stand up comedy never thought of it and performance perhaps but not comedy yeah definitely performing I knew after singlehood I was like I know, I know I'm going to end up doing more of this because I really like it um, but like there's something about stand up comedy like it's it is a bit it can be a bit soul destroying. Oh Jesus, yeah. Yeah. So unless you're, it's something you've always wanted to do, or you're really passionate about it. I just knew I was not going to be the person to go down and do a gig in the halfpenny and then wait three months to get another gig, and yeah. it just wasn't going to happen. So I think he sensed that, and he's like, "Look, I'm going on tour. You can come on tour with me and learn the ropes, as it Love were." Love it. So you yeah. were crying about him at one point. Yeah. And now he's giving you the break. Yeah, totally. And even at the time, I didn't realise what an opportunity it was. Eric yeah. Lawler was doing support and I was kind of the bit in between. Um, and I was like, yeah, grand, yeah. Go on, so. So you were, t- you were touring. he paid me and all. <laughs> you were touring with Lawler. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and got her. Yeah. yeah. I'd say that was class, wasn't it? Was, it was, actually. It was the crack, yeah. Concussion was the name of the tour. Um, so... Yeah, like so that was that was my start. Yeah. Uh, so it was a di- I had a different experience to you. I my my way in was a lot easier. Yeah. A lot easier. But you've made a count. That's the main thing. Like. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you know yeah. Because you I were know, working as well, though, weren't you? Um, when did you say to yourself, "Fuck, I'm gonna pack in me"? Well, because I so I 
started doing singlehood I was in treatment the show that you saw for an eating disorder so I had had to leave work anyway so I actually wasn't working Working. at that time I don't think I ever would have quit my job to say I'm going to go into the world I'm going to go and be a comedian because I'm not insane do you know what I mean so but because I didn't I, I, I already was out of work I was already off yeah. on sick leave. So there wasn't that decision to make, which was great. It's, the timing on it was just unreal. Yeah, it sounds it was just, amazing. Like it was unreal timing, yeah. Fell into place. Yeah, and then we wrote separate, me and him wrote separated at birth together, um, which was a, sh- a sh- comedy show about Adop- adoption. Because mm. the two years were adopted. Yeah. yeah, and he was at a different stage to me. He'd met his family like 10 years before. I was just looking into meeting mine. Um, yeah, he taught me a lot. And then from that, it was from the separated gig that I got the Republic job. And then it kind of just wow. became the job then. So you still hadn't right. really uttered in the concussion tour? No. Fucking hell. No, yeah. Love it. So it was fa- It was fa- It was quite fast. But yeah. that's, like I worked hard as well, you know what I mean? Because I used to kind of, it took me a while to realise what was happening. Mm. Um, well, so I, I was just saying, to, I was, bit hard on myself in the beginning kind of going shit like you don't really deserve this you don't know what you're doing you don't have any experience doing this and I was like hold on a second I worked really hard you know yeah. I wrote separated at birth it was a good show Um, I was touring gigging writing like I worked my ass off I didn't yeah. just like walk in with nothing behind me do you know what I mean Um. yeah and then I got more confidence in what I was doing because there's nothing worse than starting a new job and thinking you don't yeah. deserve it because that just fucks with your mind. It's gas that you're you're saying. I'm, get, I'm getting from it that PJ was quite influential. In, yeah, in in everything. Certainly, stand up. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. he and brought me into it, and I would have bailed several times if he hadn't encouraged me to stay in. Yeah, it. the encouragement there is infectious. Yeah, and it's gas because. He had a bleeding show not so long ago about, go about his insecurities. Well, he had terrible stage fright. Yeah, like it's mad, isn't it? Yeah, but I. This is the thing. Like I, I do. I don't get stage fright. I get. I certainly I get an adrenaline. I'm aware I'm about to go on stage. I do get nerves completely. They're good. Yeah, you should embrace them if you're walking on stage and you're not nervous and you're not nervous. Like that's a really bad sign, I think. But um, he used to get this awful crippling stage fright. And he'd be like head in his hands and couldn't breathe properly. And I was like, I said to him, how did you keep doing it? Like if I was like that every time I was going on stage and that was my job. You gone out. I'd just be, I'd just quit. Mm. And, he, and he said, because I didn't, I knew I couldn't do anything else. There was nothing else I could do in That's the mad. world. That's mad. So I just had to push through it. And he did, yeah. He went to like a hypnotherapist. It's mad, isn't it? Mm. Jesus. It was a good documentary as well. Yeah, Very that was good. so. That was the first. That was the tour. Yeah, the concussion. Tour. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, he went to the hypnotherapist. Um, he, we all do this as well. The person was saying to him, you know, instead of thinking all the bad things that are going to happen when you go on stage, like I could die in my hell, I could fall off the stage, no one's going to laugh at my jokes. He's like, think of the things that can go right. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a great gig. Everyone's going to laugh at my jokes. You know, ninety eight percent of my gigs are good, or whatever yeah. his. It's mad. Pa- Paul O'Connell has the same thing. He's because his book just came out, and he, I heard him talking about it. Where he was saying that, like, he used to go into matches thinking of, like, oh god, what if I do this? And then that team scores a Troy, and then, like, he said, ultimately, it always ended up with him and this mental image of sitting in the dressing room after the match, after them losing, and it's his fault. So he said, like, 
that's the worst thing you're supposed crazy. to do for yeah. going out on the pitch. So it's the same. Like going out on stage with all these kind of, what if I die on my arse? What if nobody laughs? What if there's a really bad heckler? Yeah. Like that's just it's the similarity a, there is incredible. Completely. Like. And it's almost like it can become like a self-fulfilling prophecy then because if you stress yourself out, especially with stand-up, like if you're not, if you're not okay with what you're saying and what you're doing up there, the audience know straight away and then yeah. they're not okay and everyone's really uncomfortable. <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, even if it's going really badly, I think, and I, I, like, I get so much of this f- from PJ teaching me, but like, you have to own what you're saying and own what you're doing and you have to believe in what you're doing. Yeah. Um, like that. There's no point going up going, shit, this, is, this joke isn't great now. Oh, the joke's coming up that I don't really like. It's probably not going to land that well because the audience sense it. Yeah. yeah. And then it's a really bad gig because once the audience know you're shitting it, They've lost interest. It, it, yeah, the atmosphere. They don't down. trust you. They yeah. don't trust you as a performer anymore. How do you find managing the difference between, say, doing that and having that awareness of a live gig to doing something like Republic of Telly, like recording sketches or, or whatever? Mm. Like, because it's a completely different. It's totally yeah, different. It's yeah. Like, so and when I'm actually, st- I've started doing screen acting okay. classes because, like, I kind of winged it. I ha- I I never got to do any training. Now, loads of people don't. Um, but I always would have liked to have acted. Uh, so when I got to the got the Republic thing, and I know for the first couple of weeks, because I'd come from sta- I'd come from the stage, so all my reactions are <gasps> bi- like big stagey Billy Barry <laughs> shit. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, less, Juan, less, less. And the only way I knew how to give less was to like physically just start getting smaller on the set. I didn't, I didn't have that range in yeah. my performance really. Um, so, and I know the producer once said to me, he's like, you're, you're a better stand-up than you are an actor. And I was like, yeah, I would totally hold my hands up and say, that's true. But I'll learn how to act. Well, well, well I was at your recent show, Bite Me. Was that, that, that wasn't a stand-up to me though. No, but I would see that more as, that's, I can, I'm really good at playing myself. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If you need a really annoyingly accented Southside bird, like I'm your woman <laughs> I can play Joanne McNally very well um, so I played Joanne McNally in Singlehood and I played Joanne McNally in Separated at Birth and I played Joanne McNally in Bite Me but you give me a script and you're like you are Mexican dancer number three I'm like is she from the south side of Dublin <laughs> <laughs> can I wear this like you know what I mean can I wear my Air Max yeah can I wear Max dancer she loved that yeah. um, so I'm trying to learn how to do that basically yeah um, separated at birth uh, both you and PJ wrote about adoption mm. how did it come that how was the reveal how did that come about that both you mm. found out that each other was adopted well he had spoken I always I was slagging him saying like do you ever not talk about your adoption because he'd done a couple of articles on it and that's not fair because he hadn't actually gone on about it but um he, when Bespar House came out in the news, PJ's mother was, went to bed. Do you know, are you even familiar with Bespar House? It was one of these, Vaguely. like, really bad mother and home, mother oh, and yeah, baby homes, course. and they were testing animal vaccines on the babies and all this madness. Um, so he was in the news a bit for at that time, but I actually didn't know, because I hadn't really followed him in any serious way. Um, so I wasn't aware that he was adopted, but it must have come out fairly fast, and then the second he said it, I said it because it is one of those things it's like coming out in a matching top you're like oh my god no way I'm adopted too do you know what I mean um, <coughs> and we talked because we were dry, doing the tour so we were in the car a lot poor Eric like and 
because I'd be asking PJ and what, what happened then and what happened then because I'd been tipping on the point of being curious about my biological family for uh, like a long long time <clears throat> like yeah. my brother's adopted and he doesn't give a flying fandango he'll never he doesn't enter into his thought process at all and it doesn't phase me but I was always much more curious than him um, so I was asking PJ like oh what was it like and how did you get on how did you go about it and it was really talking to him that kind of tipped me over the edge it, it was the impetus to do it myself really yeah so we had a big impact in that sense as well yeah and have you reached out to you've reached out to your father on Facebook is that correct yeah so I did so uh, yeah. on the Lay Lay show and you're on the Lay Lay yeah mm. um, so I, I contacted I went into the agency um, and they put me in touch with my biological mother um, which was really nice for a while and then I think I just kind of disappointed her massively because I think she wanted like her child back I probably shouldn't say this too too much it's her own it's her own story I think she just thought that I'd be her daughter again as, okay. as do you know what I mean like Which, an emotional attachment yeah I suppose and like I'm kind of like I lived in my mother's attic for many years and she never saw me do you know what I mean I'm not like regularly in contact with people and I think there was just not enough contact from me to her so she it was she was getting pissed off basically and I think it was just emotionally too much for her oh, right. mm. um so we parted ways and yeah but I had emailed um my biological father on Facebook and poked him a couple of times <laughs> and he never wrote back so I was like what a wanker and then I kind of lost interest in it because I have the attention span of a Kiwi so I was like gone on to the next thing and then like a year later I just get this email pops up on no my way. Facebook from him hey Joanne he said your mail went into my junk and my son was looking through my phone his 16 year old son and found it and read it out to him Holy, Holy shit. shit. Yeah, and it was like, hope you're sitting down. You're my dad. Like, I'd gone full ham. <laughs> ha- like, like something you'd see in America. Like, do you know what I mean? I'd obviously gotten it from a show I'd watched or something. Holy shit. Yeah, so shit. it was like a really intense letter, which I wouldn't usually write. I don't know. I'd probably had a drink. I have no idea. So his 16-year-old kid read it out to him anyway. And uh, yeah, he was like, it was a, a shock, but he, he was... <laughs> totally gung-ho for it she was like let's do this oh lovely brilliant so you're happy with that now, yeah. yeah now he's based in australia so i never i haven't met him but this only happened like a couple of months ago so we're gonna hatch a plan just to breaking news to the public yeah <laughs> Ooh. scoop <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i've got like 12 parents now it's amazing <laughs> Loads of birthday presents. Loads apparently. Loads. Amazing. I think it, I, I just love the fact that you were poking him. Yeah, so that's like brilliant. reply. Poking my reply. Yeah, yeah and I father. didn't know. And I emailed his work email and said, "Please read your," because I knew because there ha- wasn't two ticks. You know, you can see if there's yeah. two ticks on the mail. So yeah. I knew we hadn't read it. So I emailed his work email and said, "Please check your Facebook." Mails and not got no response to he's that. I like, what the fuck is this spam I'm getting? I know he's like, who is out. this? <laughs> that was like, like internet said. bride trying to sell herself to me or something. <laughs> that was like, da da. It was like when I reached out to you the first time. I was like, two ticks, two. Yeah, fuck. She's not. I was like, joke mail. Spammed all the time. Who's this dickhead? I think it's class that both separated at birth and bite me. That both got rave reviews and both are like true stories. Mm. Well, I think, um, and thank you for saying they got rave reviews, but I think 
truth is way more interesting. Yeah. But the way yeah. you put the way you put the message across, like genuinely, I've said it to, to, to friends and all about Bite Me. It's one of the best things I've seen, uh, kind of theatrical or play or whatever. I was just, I didn't want it to end. I was like, is that the break? What the fuck? Is it gone? Is it over? Thank you. But no, but it was, it was the fact that I, I think it was because it was your, by yourself. Mm. And I, I was, the admiration I had was that it was an hour and 20 minutes of you by yourself. Yeah. You were, it was quite dark comedy, I suppose, wasn't yeah, it? Is that fair to say? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So, you interacted the audience, which was a lovely kind of bit of touch, and then it just went a bit dark, and then it came back. Yeah. And then there's moments where you're kind of going, fuck, that was funny the first 10 minutes. If that had been said in the first 10 minutes, yeah, laugh out loud, but now, gee, Town. There, was, there was two women behind me bawling their eyes out. Good. <laughs> <laughs> what we want that's what you wanted um, no I knew and this is why, what, what I was saying to you um, earlier when I cause, so basically I wrote a lot when I was sick I had a boredom more so than anything else and I'd always wanted to write and I hadn't really been doing any of it and um, then I kind of parked it all I had it on a blog somewhere which I it's still up there I have to figure out how to take it down um, but Una who directed Singlehood and Separated at Birth was like I think you should do something with it and then Una Malali um, put put on this event last Halloween actually yeah so it was around this time and it was like Face Your Fears I think it was part of the okay. Bram Stoker Festival or something and um, so you had 10 minutes to go down and you know it was like a confessional night it was actually brilliant I'd highly recommend it it was like a girls night in to be honest <laughs> um, I think there was one lad in the crowd and everyone was like <laughs> 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 what the fuck is he doing here um, I don't know why it ended up as an all girls it just did it was um, a big feminist group or something. yeah it was, it was no but there was well Roshan Ingle was there talking about like she you know shoplifting as a kid or whatever like yeah. you know whatever yeah. so anyway I read 10 minutes oh, of the shoplifting story with you <laughs> sorry that was um yeah, Tesco down to Leary. Oh my god! Uh, no. <laughs> How? But listen, hilarious. That to get caught. That was the best time I could have gotten caught. Like, because my mum was with me, it was obvious I'd lost my mind at this stage. Mm. And your ma- the police officer, was so understanding. Uh, hang on, a lot of people wouldn't know yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. So, bite me. Separated Bird is about Joanne's uh, adoption kind of yeah. story, yeah. and bite me is about Joanne's battle with bulimia. Okay. Oh, sh- we never said that, yeah. Sorry, we yeah. didn't say yeah. that. Now it makes sense. It's eating disorders, yeah. Right. So what were you shoplifting? Food. So I was bulimic anorexic. Okay. Um, which I was very impressed with when I got th- I was like, ooh, I've got bones. <laughs> uh, but he was saying... This is the thing, like, it's such a... <laughs> yeah. You would think that it's such a sensitive subject and the betrayal on Bite Me was just... <laughs> See, when right. I was sick, though, like, I was looking online for... I don't know, like inspiration, reasons to get better, something to make me want to get better. Okay. Because in my mind, getting better just meant putting on weight, which I just couldn't comprehend. I would never let that happen. Right. I didn't understand why, like I was like, I'll I'll learn how to stop getting sick and I'll just eat lettuce so I don't have to get sick. So there was this constant, the anorexic mindset wants to lose weight all the time, the bulimic mindset. Usually, I mean, everyone's different wants to maintain their weight but they're locked into these kind of like binge purge sessions right do you know what I mean um, so I, often bulimia can go undiagnosed 
forever really like because yeah. usually if your weight drops people become kind of alarmed um but oh yeah so I was shoplifting food because every, I ha- if I couldn't binge and purge I couldn't eat I couldn't let anything stay inside me so everything I had to eat and then get rid of everything but the fuller I was the bigger the purge and the bigger the high of getting rid of it okay does that make sense so I ran out of every all my money went on food and um so then when I ran out of money I would shop at food so I was wow. fleecing fleecing the place but just, I was just to gorge to gorge yeah <clears throat> yeah to binge and purge yeah and then I'd st- sit up in the disabled toilet here in Killarney Castle dope you yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and just because I say in the show should Una took it out but I was saying um I used to sit in disabled toilets because like whatever you can move around in there and hang out and so but I'd hear wheels sometimes pacing up and down outside that's probably just this lad in frustration I know I'm like have we met in the hallway out there because I was saying because I'd then I'd be like shit like because I mean disabled people we know they don't like using their special toilets yeah very impatient. Are there parking spots? And are there parking spots? Oh, don't get <laughs> him started on parking spots. Uh, so I'd come Why out. Don't you just calm down there, please. <laughs> I'd come out with like a limp or whatever because I'd tr- be trying to fake that I had a disability. And I, I said in the show, I was like, but I. I Club foot or something? Something like, just kind of like I would. Because I remember once I came out to this elderly woman being held up on a Zimmer frame by a lot of other elderly women. And when I came out, obviously this young one swanning out with all her own limbs and the anger, like, Jesus. it was awful. But I was like, you know, I do need these toilets. In my mind, I was like, you can't put your brain in a wheelchair and push it out and say, yeah. I need special toilets too. Yeah, yeah. But Una took it out. She was like, it's too, it's too dark. <laughs> so get rid of the disabled stuff. It's in the article though. It's Oh, is it? I think it is. Oh, it might be, yeah. it's not the first time I heard you say that. Yeah, it might be that. It's yeah. not the first time I've crushed you in my head, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that really annoying person. But, um, but yeah, so that's why I was shoplifting. And okay. I got stung. Like, basically, I at that stage, I was very sick. So I'd been taken out of my house in town and, and put back in my mum's. Um, and uh, put back in my mum's. Oh yeah. Try to be real discreet there and then I'll whack the microphone. <laughs> I can only st- focus on one thing at a time. He started writing something down. I'm like, like put back on my mum's, put back on my mum's. And um, so that was grand. And then she, my mum sent me into the shop for a bottle of Slimline Tonic. She was having a dinner party. And I was just like a zombie at this stage. And I just started taking meds and stuff. And uh, I, I don't know. I, th- I was just gone. Yeah. And I went in and it was like I realised I was free. And I just started shoplifting food because I had no money, obviously. And uh, I got arrested. Jesus. <laughs> and my mum said to me, she said, when she saw the guard car pull up, she said she knew straight away they were coming for me. She's like, oh, she's after getting stung now. She's in there shoplifting food. Yeah. Baguettes That's and all. That's mad, like. Mm, I know. It's an addiction. Baguette. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, bread, like, carbs, whatever. I thought you were talking about, do you know a big French dick? I was like, how the fuck do you rob a French dick? Up at the sleeve of your parka. What? Up the sleeve of your, you saw the parka. That was yeah, the parka yeah, yeah. I used to shoplift in. Sorry, I sh- sorry, I'm leaning away from the mic. <laughs> You're about right now. Um, but, yeah, I used to put <laughs> tubs of Ben and Jerry's up there and all. Oh, you get real cute. Big like jacket if, on you've been, If you've been addicted, it's like anything. Nothing yeah. will come in the way of it. Yeah. You know, nothing will come in the way of it. And I remember it's saying... It's like devilment and deceiving and, yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, like I was that. stealing my mum's credit cards and to, it's like... 
to buy food. I can't say it's like a drug addiction. I don't know. I've never had a drug addiction. No, but it's an addiction of sorts. Like it's, it's an addiction, yeah. and you're you're just completely possessed by it. Jesus, and you'll yeah, do anything. Mad. But her voice in her head was Louis Walsh. <clears throat> oh, the eating disorder was Louis Walsh. Yeah. So in therapy, what they do is they get you to like physically manifest your eating disorder. So because if you're telling yourself. Like we all do mad stuff, yeah. but you're, you're, you rationalize it to yourself because your voice sounds the same in your head as it does when it's coming out your voice. So you're chatting to yourself in your head. But the real key to kind of moving forward or recovering from something is being able to not obey those, that voice. So you have to make it sound like a different voice to yours. Does that make sense? Right, yeah. I'm so with the you. voice saying like binge, starve, shoplift, you know, you're looking great, you know, your diet's going real well. All those... Which are, which are actually a mental health issue, yeah. need to be in a different voice to my own so that I can argue against it. Um, so I made them Louis Walsh. <laughs> yeah. Fucking he's, amazing. He's a bit silly. Because <laughs> uh, I knew, I was like, look, I can either go down like the goblin route. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like there's a little golem from Lord of the Rings in my head. And I was, yeah. That's kind of gross. So I'll go down the twee borrower cutesy route. <laughs> and so it was Louis, yeah. So if you're watching X Factor, was it like a fucking oh shit moment, or is it's it like, just? Like, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> How could we've no money and you're making a, you're making so much money on that, and I'm shoplifting for the tubes. Um But it's so annoying because then he was taken off Twitter for trolling. I think now I, I this it, uh, Louis Walsh. So for the first time in my life, I wanted to contact him. I wanted to add him in the article or whatever, but um, apparently he was. T- um, Trolling Christopher Maloney. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, vaguely remember. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that man is on. Do you ever see the uh, clip online of the girl uh, with a camera phone out and she approaches Louis? He's like, oh my God, you're Louis Watts. Would you fucking put the camera away? Put it away, will you? He's like, Louis, Louis, would you put the fucking camera away? Shut up. Hilarious, he doesn't want to be seen. Why? Where is he going? He's in a bloody, he's in America and your one's like screaming. At the top of our lungs. Oh my god! It's he's like, stop alerting people to my fame. Yeah, exactly. He's like, just shut up. Will it you? would be like I know that celebrities like get a terrible time if and it, if you're not if they're not like real sound all the time. But like you can imagine, I think it was Killian Murphy was in a pub recently, and I I was looking at him, yeah. um, and everyone was going up to him, and I was like, it would get it would be very hard to stay sound all the time. Yeah. Like it would get real annoying. Yeah. Must happen to you a lot though. No. Do you get spotted? <laughs> By, like, people who watch Republic of Tally, so, like, 14-year-old lads in the Midlands. <laughs> <laughs> I'm huge so, in the Midlands. So I'm only girl with a Huge. Killian's uh, living local here. Who is? Killian Murphy. Is he? Yeah. 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 I saw him once in the Playboy of the Western World. Tiny little thing he is. Yeah, yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. He, I seen him, uh, Unbelievable seen him on Tivoli job. Road. I seen him on Tivoli Road walking. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Jesus. How's the bulimia now? Right. I mean, yeah. like, I'm recovered. Yeah. But like, I'll manage it for the rest of my life. It's like a cope. It's like, it's like anything. If you, if you get, if you go, it's like if you had suffered with depression. Yeah. Or you're an alcoholic. You it's have, always something to... You have to mind, mind it. it. Yeah, of course. And I also have found that your mind is only dying to get out of your head. Like, to lose itself. Right. You have to really look after it. And bite me, will that get a national release? I hope so. Like, I hope it'll tour. Um, the producer's actually working on another show in the Dublin Theatre Festival at the moment, so she's she's busy, but um, we're going to meet up when she finishes. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to bring it to Edinburgh next year for the month and do the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Brilliant. Because I've never done that before. 
deadly. Um, I've only been, I only went to Edinburgh for the first time this year and I was blown away. Really? Like all these performers just taking a total punt on themselves. Like it costs thousands to put a show on. And then you have to live in Edinburgh and like yeah. support yourself yeah. and you might have five people in the audience and like it's really inspiring actually. It's really inspiring. I was like, Joanne, get off your ass. And do it. Yeah, get off your ass and Bring do it. Bring it to the pavilion done early. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. That'd Although, be you see, my only problem with it is I feel like maybe, although I was talking about this with someone the other night and they made a very good argument against it, but I feel it's a bit niche, if you know what I mean. Mm, to, to what? Like, the pavilion to me, like, I love the pavilion as a theatre, but I'm like, I, I don't know, is it a, if the fringe have an audience? Right. Mm. Already. Already. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I suppose I'll learn. I just know, I just know that even from selling separated at birth, shows are hard to sell. Okay. And something about bulimia when you don't really understand it and yeah i don't know i'll see it'll be interesting to see what happens with the next i'm interested to see what happens with the next yeah yeah i didn't see it but now i really want to ah uh, look that's Class. kind of so i don't know if that's in any way i nearly had a row with your one at the uh, front desk at the start why she's like uh she i go up and collect me tickets and uh, she looks me up and down looks at the chair and she's like do you tell us you were coming i was like do you have to ring out i was like excuse me and she goes did you not tell the friend you were coming I said, no, I, just, I didn't know I had to. I said, I've been here before. And then her colleague sitting down and then Tiny, security guard. Oh, yes. He was like, he interjected. He's like, give me the tickets. Come on, I'll bring you. I was like, one more second with that woman. I was but there was a, there's a lift there. Yeah, there's a lift. But uh, you know the way they're kind of pulled down kind of sofa things? <clears throat> The seats, the seatings are like yes. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Something about that. Yeah. Was giving yeah. me attitude. I was gonna run. Cheek of that. Tick. Yeah. He just needs that. He's an awful upstart. <laughs> Any excuse. An awful upstart. Squaring up to your one in the reception, the project. <laughs> you. you should see him. He just inflates the tours a bit more. And he, what's your problem now? <laughs> she got me at a bad time. Yeah. And uh, Joanne, we're running out of time, and I'm raging because I'm uh, like I'm sitting here all quiet, being like, "Tell me more." <laughs> Yeah. Continue, please. I would, no, I'd love to. Oh, sorry. Um, right. Hopefully, it, yeah, it'll have a life. Hopefully, it'll have a life. Mm. Um, maybe I'll get to leave the country with it. That'd be nice. Yeah, go to. Some You're festivals. proud of it, though. Yeah, I am proud of it. Yeah, with the first show, I, because there's some bits in it that I, I feel are kind of uh, graphic. But for I felt it was like for the sake of like shock value. I said to Una, I don't think that's important. Stuff like, it was actually these toilets. I used to keep cutlery in the disabled toilet in um, Clooney Castle. No way. So that if I had to go there to binge and purge the day, I'd have the utensils there to do it. This is when you worked No, 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 no. This is when I was really sick and I was back in my mum's. Because once you admit you, once you admit there's something wrong with you, it doesn't stop. Yeah. Like there was all this work going from my family and friends to get me to admit that there was something wrong. And then I admitted it. And, you know, everyone's delighted and everyone's, we're all really feeling really positive. Well, I wasn't, obviously, but everyone's really happy. But then that doesn't mean, the compulsions are all still there. Yeah, the, that's not the cure. Like, it's that's not, not the fix, that's like, yeah. the first step. So I was back in my mum's and I was still getting sick all day. And I couldn't be doing it in the house. So I had to come up here and do it here. But things like that, I just mentioned that to Una in passing. And she was like, what? You kept cutlery in, cutlery in the disabled toilet. And I was like... Yeah, obviously. Like, sure, how else was I going to eat in there? And she's like, that's going in the show. So bits like that, yeah. that I felt were kind of just not that important. Yeah. So then, she, but she said it gives a good insight into how dark the I was going to say, no, that, that, does, that gives me, because like, I'm like, that, 
puts us in your mindset that yeah. you're planning. You're like, oh shit, how am I going to eat if I don't have, I know, I'll stash them. Exactly. So straight away you're like, holy shit. Yeah. yeah. So you rationalise all this all yeah. this behaviour to yourself. But, but didn't so, your mother find sick bags out the back or something? Yeah, in the, in the wardrobe, yeah. Sandwich bags full of sick. No, I was vomiting. Because basically, so she... Because uh, I was obviously getting sick in the bathrooms, and then she knew that, so we, she, because she was trying, she didn't know what to do, and yeah. she, I suppose you can't. She didn't want to go. Yeah, look, work away, because that felt like she's condoning it. Yeah. But so she wanted to make me stop, but she, there was no. I, it took years of therapy. Like Did your friends know about yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so she was like, look, open door policy. You can't get sick there. You can't get sick there. So then I'd like work around it, and a, a lot of the time I would just be getting sick in my room. Uh, I'd stash food in my room and get sick in my room and then she found I was storing bags of vomit in my wardrobe waiting until she went out of the house so I could get rid of them yeah that was another bit that I put in the show that uh, again I said to Una is that really necessary oh, yeah cause she was like yeah but the first night I said that on stage I could literally I could feel the audience a couple of nights people went like they physically had a reaction but I could feel just the tent like they were just shifting in their seats and I remember thinking is that too much like is it too much of me is it too much for them Mm. is it just too much that was the first time I was kind of going what am I what am I doing Um, but then Una was like, no, you have to keep it in, keep it in, keep it in. And I did. And yeah, it's one of those things, I suppose. I didn't feel it was necessary, but Una did. So yeah. Yeah. So I really, stayed in. I really hope you do do the show again or if you well, start doing it because I have to go see it. No, I think definitely. Amazing. I'd love to. Like, yeah, I'd love yeah. to. My mum's like, write another show. And I'm like, maybe I'll just try and tour the one I've, <laughs> did, I've did just written. Mother, what did your mother think of the show? She <clears throat> can't. Now, usually, like, she had it very hard. Like, living with that, it's not easy. Um, so, you know, things were fairly tense for a long time. But she's never seen me do stand up or anything. Yeah. Uh, usually she'd come to some show like she came to singlehood and she'd be like you've rejected your voice very well and your costume's lovely because I was talking about Ryan Lads I was just going to say like, talking about la sexual. la la how can we like how can we talk about the show without actually talking about what my daughter was saying in the show and um talking about Ryan yeah. Lads yeah <laughs> how uh, but she then after she she was going around to people saying I'm Joanne's mother, um, and she was saying something mental. Like, I did some bits standing. Oh, she, she was basically denying, and she was saying like, "Oh, you know, a lot of that's now other people's stories." She's telling <laughs> to complete strangers who were like having a drink after the show, and like, "What are you? What are you yeah. talking about? Don't even know you're a mother." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> probably weren't even at single. They're probably at something else. But um, so. So yeah, so she came to see it and I was a bit like, God, yeah. you know, because she's a mom and she can be sensitive and all that jazz, but she really enjoyed it. She actually came twice, which was... Well, yeah. Um, That's a ringing endorsement. If you're willing to see through something the second time. Yeah, and she brought friends to see it. The second time or the first the time? The second time, so yeah. And like, there, she definitely would have had an attitude, like when I said I was writing the show, there definitely would have been an element of, are you sure you want to put that out there? You know, yeah. it's, are you sure you want people to know this stuff? Yeah. Um, I think sometimes people think it's better you just, especially family like that, to be like, keep your shit to yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't need to be talking about this. Yeah. The neighbours don't need to know about this. So when she brought friends to it the second time, I was like, wow, that's that's big. That's an endorsement. For her, yeah. That was cool, yeah. So well, I was like, that's um, nice. Was it, um, was it, uh, your recovery was already kind of, you recovered before Bite Me went out, but did it yeah, help yeah. as well? No, 
It's no. okay. Uh, no, it didn't. Like, it didn't. People say, like, is it um, therapeutic to write? Yeah. yeah. No, mm-hmm. not really. Like, it. it anything, I can't. So, I really like performing, so I really enjoyed it. Um, I am wary. I don't want to become, like, kind of wheeled out to, like, eating disorder events and all. It was, that, it's not yeah. really my bag. Um, so, I was kind of a bit worried about that. Because, you know, that can happen, like, yeah. you know, um, but it wasn't therapeutic in any way. Some bits of it were quite sad, actually, because seeing other people's reaction, like, because I was very unwell and seeing the effect it had on people and then meeting friends of mine after the show and them reminding me of mad stuff that I did when I was sick. And um, in one way, actually, it is positive. Well, it's positive in loads of ways, but it just reminds me how grim the whole thing was. And, like, I just never want to go, go back, back there. there. Yeah. And stay out of the wheelchair toilets. Ever. Yeah, I know, yeah. It's not fair. It's, it's not, not fair. fair staying, sitting in the wheelchair toilets. Um, that would be but you're one of the Zimmer frame. I was like, come on, you chancer. <laughs> you're not disabled either. <laughs> don't even need that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah. Deadly. Um, John, we'll have to try to get you back on another time because it feels like there's a million and one things to talk to you about. I'm like, what am I going to write a show about now? I've done the adoption. I'm going to have to make something up like OCD or something. Definitely, yeah. To mine more you know tragedy. You started that fire in Lawrence's all them years ago. Which? You started that fire in Lawrence's, yeah. yeah. Oh, My life is parallel. Now our yeah. listeners will be like, oh, the fucking fire in Lawrence's. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 There you go. So you just had that big that big void that you needed filled yeah. by smoking planes. Yeah, it's after <laughs> uh, If people want more of you, you're on the Twitter and all that crack. Yeah. Good man. Yeah. I always forget this stuff. Right. Um, I'm on Twitter at Joe McNally and I'm on Snappy Chat a lot now with Joanne underscore McNally. The gin and tonics. I'm getting into that, yeah. I'll add it once you leave. I was watching your Snapchat from last night. Last night, and I was thinking, I watched it about five o'clock today. I was like, where the fuck is she? she oh, yeah, because it didn't upload. <laughs> no, it didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's supposed to be here fucking. <laughs> it just started uploading because I was in, whenever I went onto Wi Fi, it all started, started uploading. Yeah. And I was like, oh yeah, and like, we I went to see... Danny said, I think she's fucking locked <laughs> <laughs> We went to see the commitments. Oh, brilliant. In the board, gosh, and then I was gigging in the inter. Um, and yeah, the commitments is really good. It's an, it's an English cast doing Dublin accents, wow. which is like hard. Did it pass? 98% of them were spot on. That's pretty good. Cool, yeah, there was one or two that had that kind of like American Tom Cruise Irish Did accent. I get the Imelda Quirk line? Is that... Mel Quirk's arse is coming out with her head? No. What? What? Yeah. I know! I was the exact same. I was like, how did they not put that line in there? That's one of the most iconic lines in the film. But the voice is on the line. Like, Joey the Lips came in in the Vespa and all on the bike. Ah, Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's very good, yeah. Deadly. Right, so Joe McNally on Twitter. Joe underscore... Joanne underscore McNally on on Snapchat. Snapchat, yeah. Deadly. Love it. Yeah, look. Season two Republic of Telly coming soon, is it? Or is it started? Oh, season two. Your season two. So, Sorry, yeah, it yeah. starts in November. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. You can check out some of your other sketches on YouTube from that. Yes, I, was, I am, yeah. I was researching today. I watched the toy show and it broke me shite laughing. I hadn't seen it before. Oh, the toy show, yeah. Yeah, just the bit where you kick the kid. <laughs> the, the wheelchair. Yeah. I had this massive spot in my face, right? Sorry, wheelchair. Oh, yeah, I kicked a kid in a wheelchair, yeah. Yeah, he was an upstart like you, man. Oh, I know, yeah. Oh, I'm a mad bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but I just massive this is over. We are over. I just massive spot. I'm like just taking the mic to talk to you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, I had this huge spot on him. Because you're filming for a long, long hour. So like, and it was one of those spots that was like, it wasn't just, re- like it was like physically 
it, you know, it was like coming out of the face. The type like, of fucker that has its own heartbeat. Heart, yeah, it's like I was going to start charging a rent. I was like, this isn't going anywhere. And um, probably get the disability benefit. It was. It was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got. What did I get? Illness benefit. All right, um, that's legit. Uh, so, and then I remember the director was like, "Oh, don't worry, I'll Photoshop it out." And I naive because he was like, "Stop going on about it. I'll Photoshop it out." And I was like, "Shit, that's grand." Grant, you didn't. Did you see it? I didn't notice at all. But Shut no, up. I'm going to watch back You're now. lying. I'm going to watch back it's now. It's pulsing on the side of my face. I'm going to tweet you with a big zoom in on it. Yeah, I was desperate. Was it, you know, Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> Is least, it this yoke? Yeah. There's nothing worse. And it's like, oh, there's, there's nothing worse. Yeah. You don't get them, do you? Uh, no, sometimes I would. I had one actually the other week just like on the side of my neck. And it was like a huge horrible. It looked like a grout. Mm. And the lads in work were like, what? what the, what's on your neck? Oh, you want hair, but my beard's hiding it. Yeah. But you would probably get them because you've a beard. No, don't get them. I used to get them awful as a teenager. Yeah. Pizza face when I was a you teenager. Know what? You probably have beard nits biting you. And that's what they are. They're not actually oh, spots. You're just beard envious. I'm not beard envious, man. Yeah. You have beard nits. You're out of fashion now. No, no. I started this beard Oh, culture. here we go. Every <laughs> lad of the beard says that. <laughs> I started it. I had it about five years ago. Joanne, it's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> 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 uh, look, that's real sad now, isn't he? <laughs> you can check out all our previous sad. stuff on yeah, iTunes, yeah, on <coughs> Podbean, on Stitcher, everywhere and everywhere. This podcast, just uh, WTS Pod, that shit, and you'll find us Americans at American Mania. I'm at Dan Joe Murray, and uh, Facebook.com forward slash WTS Pod Ireland. Thanks to Fitzpatrick Castle for putting a uh, roof over our heads and uh, for letting Joanne use facilities all those years ago. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back next week, but until then, American clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose.